Crown, Jack Daniels, Morgan, Tito's, two furs, seven days a week. You like going to bars where you don't have to feel like you're taking out a second mortgage just to drink and have a good time with your friends? Yeah, me too. And I like happy hours, like you do too. I like having a place that has a five-hour happy hour, seven days a week, with two for specials those entire five hours. Not a bar that maybe one day a week they'll have that kind of a deal. No. At the Gateway Lounge, I-29 and 41st Street in Sioux Falls, Crown, Jack, Tito's, and Morgan, Two first, two drinks for the price of one, seven days a week. Those drinks range between five and seven dollars. And on Sundays, make it a double all day for a quarter. For a quarter, a double all day. Two furs of Crown Morgan and Jack and Tito's vodka. Did it this past Sunday. It was a hell of a time here at the Gateway Lounge. It was epic. It was lit. It was fun. It's a Chiefs bark until the Chiefs lost. And yet still we all had a good time. Even Matt Zimmer came along for the ride. We had some wings, meaty wings, not wimpy wings. Burgers, pizza, you name it, they make it well, and they have some of the friendliest service in town. It's a great local joint. Your local dollars are going to a good place and good people. And by the way, they've got the best happy hour deal I can imagine. Twofers, seven days a week, Tito's, Morgan, Crown, and Jack. And Sundays make it a double all day for a quarter at the Gateway Lounge. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got, one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Ah, what a wonderful day. Feeling good already. I, I already got in a workout. I'm going to announce a game at the Corn Palace tonight. First time I've ever done that. Huh? Wait, turn your mic on. What? Every week. Oh, boy, I forgot to turn your mic on. <laughs> what were you saying? Nothing. I, never mind. Oh, I know. No, nope. no, no. What'd you I don't retell my jokes. Nothing. Okay, nope, I'll you, have to go back and it. listen to that. That's too nope. bad. Yes. And then, uh, yeah. yeah I bur- <laughs> yes, I worked on my huge quads. Just burned them out. Okay. And... Uh, and the, and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, too. It's awesome. No, oh, they're wait not. Wait a second. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. How was that experience for you? You were here. Uh, uh, we watched the Chiefs uh, self-destruct, lose to the Bengals on Sunday. I That that had to have been a fun experience for you. Being, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah. You know, Cincinnati, obviously, what they've been through the last 20 years, 30 years. You know, I, I remember watching the Super Bowl the last time they were in it. With Boomer Esiason, that was the game where Joe Montana famously spotted John Candy in the stands yep. and then led the 49ers on a 91-yard drive to win the game. And um, I'm always all for for teams like that that kind of come out of nowhere and, and get to the Super Bowl and reward long-suffering fan bases. But also I realized, I mean, I had realized it already and we talked about it a little bit, but I really realized it while watching the game just how sick of the Chiefs I am. And that is, I don't say that from a place of like hating them or that any, having anything against their fans or anything, but any team being in the Super Bowl three years in a row, like go away, someone else. Yeah. Um, and I'm even sick of Pat Mahomes, and I want to make sure I'm clear that I have nothing against Pat Mahomes. Uh, he seems like a likable guy. Um, I, I know his dad. You know, I mean, I, I the last thing I want to make it sound like is that I'm talking trash about Pat Mahomes. I'm not, but it's just three years of this constant Mahomes magic and, you know, the no-look passes and running all over the field and, 
you know, all the credit due to him because he is amazing. But even, you know, that Bills game and, you know, it looks like he's beat and 13 seconds taking him down for a game-tying field goal. Just, I'm just looking around going, someone beat this guy. Like he's, what, 26, 25, and he's already – I'm already sick of him. You know, like um, – who knows how many more times I'm going to have to see him in this situation in the Super Bowl or contending for the Super Bowl because I don't buy into this idea that, oh, his rookie contract is expired. Now the Chiefs are going straight into the toilet. No, it'll be harder for them, sure, but he's that good. If you have that level quarterback on your team, you're always a Super Bowl threat. So they're going to be fine. Um, but, I, yeah, I'm I'm very happy the Cincinnati Bengals won that game. What was the experience like for you being at this Chiefs bar with all the Chiefs fans? And, and you got here uh, – I, I, I don't believe in curses, but you got here when it, I think it was 21-3 to 3 or halftime when it was 21-10, to 10 and it was all downhill after that. So you didn't even get to experience the uh, – I would even say it was euphoria. I think Chiefs fans and uh, I don't – I'd be lying if I said I was here on a lot of game days for Chiefs games. I love coming here when all the other games are going on on an NFL Sunday. Uh, anyway, uh, it was uh, – we're kind of used to it. I mean, used to it. It wasn't like four years ago when they started making this great run with Patrick Mahomes and it was mm-hmm. all novel to win these big games. We've seen them do about every possible amazing comeback culminating with the Buffalo thing. So uh, – I don't know what was and 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 then everybody was I, I didn't it to me and it didn't feel like it was this disastrous thing no uh and i don't know if you liked that or didn't like well, that. well it kind of makes me wonder how many of these chiefs fans are oh are go. a little more of you know the bandwagon yeah i mean because yeah i was struck by how it did not feel like the wind came out of this place when the bengals won it felt like most people were just like Oh, all right. Can we get another drink here? You know, like it was kind of like whatever. We'll move on with our day. And I'm not judging anyone. That's just how it felt. I mean, John, my family used to own a, a sports bar in town. I, I've I've been in a in a bar packed bar during a Sunday football game before. Like it, nothing really seemed especially abnormal. It was watched a football game. The team lost, and I started watching the other game. And Jen started getting drunk, so we had to go home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that why she's not here? She's still hung over? No, no. I'm kidding. No. Uh, it, no, it, it was a good time. And uh, I, it was, uh, I, it, what's weird is the Chiefs and the Vikings, we always talked about you before this, this, these last three years. And by the way, we're going to get to Jim Harbaugh interviewing with the Vikings. Tom Brady, by the way, he's, he's the guy that beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year, uh, retiring. But uh, so we have those things to get to, plus some jacks and what else. But, Okay, uh, we used to have Vikings fans and Chiefs fans, not just you and me, used to have some sort of a kindred spirit ship of having organizations that just perennially nine and seven, ten and six, wild card teams, hardly ever shit hitting the fan, and uh, but never getting bad enough to have that number one draft right. or have some big turnaround rebuild, uh, but never being good enough to be in a you know a real Super Bowl conversation until Patrick Mahomes came came along for the Chiefs. And it was a fun ride, and it was amazing, and it was great. And, uh, and, and now I don't know how to feel because there is part of me where, I, and I'm wondering how you would feel if, this, if the shoe was on the other foot for the Vikings. I'm kind of, at, I, I, I'm kind of in between of, yes, worried about and wondering, is it a downhill slide? The, the, the results have, have digressed. You've gone from Super Bowl champ to Super Bowl loser to AFC loser. And that doesn't mean I think or I'm afraid like they're going to, burn out just and never make it even back to a championship game again and I, I appreciate and 
that feels nice that you think that it's not over because Mahomes will be on a huge contract because uh, I generally agree with that sentiment, but it will be harder. So you start to wonder, like, is the, is the window on the amazement closing and do I feel already like, gosh, things have underachieved here, that uh, it's going to turn into the Packers with both Favre and Rodgers. You're going to have these all-time quarterbacks and you're only going to win one Super Bowl out of it. And the other part of me is kind of is, is telling myself, what are you whining about? I mean, it's been four years of pretty awesome football to watch, week in and week out. And you got that Super Bowl. I mean, and you get to go to two of them. Pretty great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the quest and the thirst. It's like the Red Sox fans after 2004. It's kind of like changes your whole dynamic mm-hmm. of how you are and your kind of relationship mm-hmm. with your team. So yeah, I mean, shit. It's been 30 years since the Twins won a World Series, and I still kind of feel like, well, I can't complain. I got to see one in '91 and '87. Yeah. You know, it's probably been long enough now that I can complain. But I, but yes. that, that's just you're right. When you when you do when you get to see your team win one, at least it should, unless you're an asshole. Basically, <laughs> it yeah. should kind of alter your perspective a little bit and like, okay, you know, the rest of this is house money, and yeah. it's nice yeah. to be here and. Uh, it was a weird finish. So, what do you think of? Um, let's go to Harbaugh first. Uh, yeah, how excited about this are you? Because he is supposedly one of four finalists. I'll just lay it out first. Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator, Rams, doesn't call plays. Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator, Rams, uh, one-time coach of the Bucks. He was set up to lose there, but he did lose and get fired when he was really, really young. And according to Matt, he looks a lot like my husband, Gilbert. And uh, Pat Graham, the Giants defensive coordinator, who I know nothing about other than he's from the Belichick coaching tree. So those are the three other candidates besides Jim Harbaugh, who we're all very familiar with to be the Vikings Wasn't, next head coach. Wasn't uh, D'Amico Ryan? Wasn't he, he has taken himself out of any okay. head coaching running. He okay. is just going to stick with the Niners for now and uh, maybe wait for better opportunities. All right. than well, of those the four, are. then, um, Harbaugh and Morris, I think, would be the ones I'd be the most intrigued by. Um, Harbaugh, you know, obviously is a whole different animal for some obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued by Harbaugh. I think that's kind of who I'm rooting for. Um, he's I mean he's the big name. It's kind of I'll be honest. Part of it, it's just fun to have your team be the one that's sort of in the hunt for the big fish. You know, he's the white whale, and uh, so that's interesting. Why you know the fact that he would be interested in the Vikings is interesting <laughs> in itself. You know, we heard that you know maybe the reason the Dolphins fired Brian Flores so prematurely was because they were going to make a run at Harbaugh. We heard that the Raiders were going to make a run at Harbaugh. Yeah, uh, the Bears have an opening, and you know Jim Harbaugh is a longtime Bears quarterback. Right. So many other places that seem to make more sense than Minnesota, but then they hire this GM, who obviously has uh, a connection to Harbaugh, and it sounds like that's the reason that this is coming together. Uh, that's certainly oh, intriguing because yeah. it implies that a Harbaugh likes this guy. That's a good sign. Even if Harbaugh mm-hmm. doesn't end up taking the job, that's a good sign that he has enough respect and likes this guy enough that he's like, yeah, I'll listen to your pitch. Um, also, it, I think it speaks well of Harbaugh because this guy, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, the new GM. Um, Quasi. Qua- yeah, he he was in San Francisco when that whole yeah. shit hit the fan between Harbaugh and, and Trent Baalke. Um, so that implies that he – Queasy, what was the name again? Quasi. Quasi. That he was able to see that and, I don't know, side with Harbaugh necessarily or at least feel like whatever went down there didn't 
you know, isn't a bad reflection on Harbaugh. I still want him to be to be the coach here potentially. And then there's just the fact that he's won everywhere he's gone. You know, it took him a little longer, I think, at Michigan than some of us thought maybe. Um, but he still still did. And I mean, his record at Michigan's pretty good, and he's oh, coming yeah. off the best season he's had there. Then obviously, what he did, you know, everywhere else has been to the Super Bowl. Um, I think when you look at it, it's kind of one of those things where I think it's going to be. Let's say the Vikings hire him. I think it's going to be apparent really early whether or not it's going to be a good marriage or not. I think he will either win right away, and I don't necessarily mean take them to the Super Bowl right away, but establish right away that, hey, he's got a good thing going there, these players are buying in, this team is on the upswing. Either that's going to happen right away, or it's going to be just an utter and complete shit show immediately. And it's going to be, you know, whether it's like when, you know, Steve Spurrier or Nick Saban or any of these big college coaches came in back to the NFL and, and it just completely fell on its face and three years later he's back in college I think it's going to be one of those two scenarios he's either going to win yeah. and you're going to be like hey Harbaugh was finally the guy to get it going there or it's going to be you know 6-11 and 6-11 and 11 and back to college football he's a polarizing cult of personality it's going to probably be a bumpy ride whether there's going to be success or failure his track record shows that it's six years or less uh, four years at Stanford and then uh, and then it was Oh, about four or five with the Niners, and remember they they had the Super Bowl not one, but they were they were cruising, and then let the lights literally went out in the Superdome for like an hour in that that game when Colin Kaepernick was at his zenith, and they were beating his brother Jim Harbaugh's Ravens pretty good, and um, you know it's who, who knows how much the uh, that halftime had to do with it, but the Ravens came back. Anyway, the difference, and that's the difference between Harbaugh and the other examples you made of these successful college coaches that go to the NFL and so easily fail. He's actually won in the NFL. He knows how to do it. He also played in the NFL, which a lot of these guys didn't either. Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier. So he's been around the league. He generally knows what it's all about. He probably finds the Vikings' job intriguing because he could probably win right away. How do you define win? Go to, I mean, if it's just go to the playoffs, probably can. With, uh, I mean, I mean, th- this. Vikings squad almost went to the playoffs. They were pretty bad. Uh, well, they weren't bad, but they were they were pretty not good. You know, was, I mean, not to get off topic, but that was a weird Vikings team. Yeah, you know, we we talked about it so many times during the season. Like, they were a few plays away from being what, like twelve and five. Yeah, but they were also at times looked like a team that was five and twelve. Right. You know, and so there's a, there's a lot at play here. First of all, he's the best candidate. He's the most proven candidate. I don't care if he's 58 and Mike Zimmer was an old guy, an, an old crusty guy who got fired as well. There is a difference, which I'll lay out in a moment. Yeah, I mean, you've got three other guys, and only one of them has barely been a head coach in the NFL. Uh, I'll favor the guy that's damn near won a Super Bowl and has had success in the NFL and is well respected. Uh, he's which he is. So, and yes, of course, I'm also rooting for this would be the most fun. Mm-hmm. This would obviously be the most fun, and I think this is partly what the Wilfs are going for. If the Wilfs are about two things, these owners, is they want to win. They are they so far their entire existence, the last 15 years since they fired Mike Tice, they don't want rebuilds. They want to win as many games as possible, squeeze as much toothpaste out of the tube as you can. And uh, they want to make splashes. They they chased after Brett Favre, um, and I mean that's 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 your pretty much eggs. And Randy Moss and mm-hmm. Favre worked out great even for a year. Be, it's easy Moss to forget now, out. but Brad Childers was even kind of a splash hire at the time. They, he was the hot assistant that everyone in the NFL was after. That was that was I think you could consider a splash hire back the, then. The story was because he was Andy Reid's quote unquote offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, which is Pat uh-huh. Royce wrote at the time, meant he laminated Andrew, Andy's play, play sheets, but. Uh, that 
they, the, the like the Wilfs locked Brad Childress, you know, or in a room somewhere, refused to let him get on the plane because uh-huh. the Packers were also going right, to interview him. Right. Packers end up getting McCarthy, and uh, McCarthy for about four years was a genius, and they win the Super Bowl. Uh, but Randy Moss was also a big splash. Like, let's get him in here, f it, and uh, it, it that obviously went awry, and it also got Brad Childress fired. But uh, so uh, there's that plus, and I have no idea who's who's. Who's driving the bus here? Is it the owners or is it the new GM? Because there is a connection there to Quasi, and this is also something that's pretty apparent that Quasi is interested in. Um, and uh, you know, Quasi was, I, I guess, from what I've heard, taken a uh, entry level type of employee with the Niners when Harbaugh was the coach. I mean, this is almost ten years ago. He also does have a connection to, I guess, O'Connell, the Rams offensive I think it's O'Connor, isn't it? O'Connor, something like that. Uh, And by the way, I'm not embarrassed that I don't know that. You know why? Because Sean McVay runs that offense there. It's It's fine. I don't even know the Vikings GM's name, so don't apologize for it. It's another example of this could work. Like Matt LaFleur did not call the plays for Sean McVay in L.A., and uh, the, the Packers, yeah, he's, I think he's won more games in his first three years than any, any head coach ever, but he's had Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. I don't, how good of a head coach is he? We still really don't know. We'll find out once Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Packer. I can't necessarily say this guy's not going to work out because he's a first-time coach and he didn't really call the plays in L.A. There's a lot that could rub off from being under Sean McVay and in that organization. I don't know. I, 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 I don't, we don't know if these would be good hires or not, or if Raheem Morris deserves this second chance and Minnesota is exactly where he should be. But if Harbaugh takes over, the chances are decent that Vic Fangio needs a job after Denver fired him. And as a Niners and Bears defensive coordinator, because he was Harbaugh's D.C. in San Francisco, and uh, and then with the Broncos as a head coach, even though he wasn't really good at that, his defense, he's had like five top ten defenses in the last ten years. So you would get Fangio to take over a Vikings defense. That was a bottom five D but had some injuries, and we just don't know how much Mike Zimmer's uh, you know, star kind of fizzled out as a mm. defensive coach, especially when it comes to connecting with players. And by the way, the difference between Harbaugh and Zimmer, even though, yes, they're old, yes, they're cranky, is, uh, and yes, I mean, when you, if you watched Michigan the last few years, Harbaugh kind of went from an offensive innovator in the NFL, working with Kaepernick, working with, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Alex Smith before that. He's also worked with Andrew Luck. Uh, to kind of a ground-and-pound boring offense at mm-hmm. Michigan. I have no idea what he would have in mind for the offense, but he's been proven to be an offensive innovator that can take what you have on offense and make it pretty good, if not spectacular. And he's worked with Andrew Luck, Alex Smith, and Colin Kaepernick and raised all of their levels to, I mean, Luck being a number one choice, you know Alex Smith, and we know what Colin Kaepernick was for a, you know, for a slice of pie. So I, I like all this. The other question is, Jim Harbaugh, would he would he uh, care for a rebuilding effort of his own? Because if you want to get rid of Kirk Cousins and get a new quarterback, especially in the draft, you might be rebuilding things a little bit. Would he have the patience for that? I don't know. I can look at. I could. I, I would think Harbaugh would be less likely to go. Yes, let's do all we can to get rid of, to trade Cousins and start know. anew. I mean, you never know. When an owner says like we don't want to rebuild, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to rebuild. A lot of times that's just, you know, it's not a popular thing. Your fan base doesn't like being told, hey, we're going to suck for the next two or three years. You know, the Twins front office has been pretty big about the last couple years. No, no, we're not going to rebuild. Well, maybe you should think about it because you just lost 90 games with an old team. Aren't you already? Um, When you lose 90, aren't you already? And lose 90 with an old team, not not a young team. You know, And that's a little bit where the Vikings are. You know, I mean, they just went 8-9 with a... 
I think you could call them an old team, at least in certain personnel areas, certainly. So um, it, it depends on if how you know. What does Quazy want to do? You know, what, you know, what do he does he think is the best way to go? And I could see Jim Harbaugh being on board for somewhat of a rebuild because it wouldn't be a full on like Cleveland Browns kind of we're gonna go win three games over the next three years. You know, it's not. I, I wouldn't expect him to be on board for something like that. Uh, but the Vikings, as we've talked about ad nauseum, have just never been that kind of franchise. Yeah. Even if they do quote unquote rebuild, we're not talking about you know having to completely blow everything up and completely start from scratch so i don't know obviously everything hinges on what they decide to do with kirk cousins i think mm-hmm. I mean, you can still try to win you can you can still try to trade kirk cousins and and win try to try to go that route i don't know how you would do it but you know that's why those those guys are you know that's above my pay grade as they say i, I don't know we'd have to see how the, how they can make that work but i also don't think if cousins takes over it's going to be like or uh, excuse me if harbaugh takes over that it's gonna be like Super Bowl or bust right out of the gate. I mean, I hope everyone recognizes that. This is a team that's, you know, got some issues. Of course. And I, another difference between him and Zimmer, supposedly, comes from Alex Boone, uh, who was the oh, was, yeah. a, was an offensive lineman for a year under Zimmer. A favorite and the of Craig and John. Uh, we liked him, yes. And uh, he's a favorite on Score North Radio up in the Twin Cities. Okay. And, Not surprised. Uh, and he. Uh, played for the Niners he played he's played under both of these guys okay. and, and he has said that Harbaugh in general yeah I mean could Harbaugh rub some players the wrong way yes but in general when they were really rolling 2011 2012 2013 Colin Kaepernick Alex Smith before that it was a pretty galvanized locker room like mm-hmm. he was a players coach everybody liked him antithesis of what we learned about Mike Zimmer the last two or three years in Minnesota so uh, Harbaugh is not, you know, it's not an, it's not an opposite hire because people would think, oh, let's go opposite. It, it flamed out with Zimmer. We got to hire young and offensive and new. And I'm not saying necessarily that's a bad thing, but I think Harbaugh would be a major upgrade from Mike Zimmer. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I, uh, it would be so. The question you have to ask is. If Harbaugh's hired, though, how much autonomy does he get on personnel decisions? Compared to the other three guys, you would think a lot more because he's a proven head coach. He's been a head coach for 15 years. He's been a successful NFL head coach. I mean, I don't know know enough about Jim Harbaugh to know is that something that means a lot to him. I, don't I mean, either. In, in theory, you, you think, think every every does. coach, you know, Bill Parcells famously said, if I'm going to make the dinner, I want to be the one to buy the groceries. Yeah. But I don't know. You know, maybe there are some coaches who are like, I don't want to have to deal with that shit. You know, contracts and, you know, picking all, you know, you, you give me the team and I'll make it work. I, I don't know. You, you, we'll find out, I guess, if he ends up taking this job, what kind of relationship him and Quasi have had prior and what kind of relationship they envision going forward. But clearly, if they're agreeing to get this far along in the process, they're both open to a marriage. Absolutely. And the other thing is about oh, the Rams guy is, again, he worked with Quasi. Uh, I believe in San Francisco as well. It doesn't really, I, I don't know if it was San Francisco or LA. It was when Quasi was a little further along than when he, where he was with Harbaugh. It, and okay, if Quasi's the kind of guy, he's 40, and maybe he wants a little bit more of a say, or he wants a more collaborative effort, because I guess that word was said a, a thousand times during his press conference. You know, collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. Mm-hmm. If you have Jim Harbaugh, just the, again, this is the assumption, it's not, it's not as collaborative of an effort. If you have a guy who's never been a head coach before and who's 37 years old, 
and who's also worked with Quasi, and they like each other, then it's a little more collaborative. But uh, either, you know, it'll be interesting to see either way what happens. And, and what I, I, I know your stance on Cousins is in general, you're ready to be, quote-unquote, off of him. But what if Jim Harbaugh does come in and wants to be a Cousins whisperer? He likes Cousins because he's a veteran and he's accurate, and uh, he could still win you some games. I mean, I would, I would be open to that. Yeah. I mean, Mike Zimmer was the antithesis of a quarterback guru. You know, yeah. he's literally a defensive coach. And not just a defensive coach, but a defensive coach who kind of came across as one of those "I hate quarterbacks" sort of yeah. guys. You know, yes, absolutely. that's that's just not a good stance to take, no and matter how good of a coach you are. And yeah. Harbaugh's not uh, not just an offensive coach, but he was a quarterback, a pretty good one, not a Hall of yes. Fame quarterback, but he had his moments. Yeah. You know, he's been there. Uh, I definitely think, and also Jim Harbaugh's fucking weird. And Kirk Cousins is fucking weird. Yes. Maybe that's oh a good. God. Maybe that's a good marriage too. I don't know. You know? <laughs> they are, they are so weird. Uh, and then the the other thing is, is it appears Harbaugh is still on the very much on the Dolphins radar. And again, I don't know what go, what's going on through Jim Harbaugh. Other mind. than weather, I have no idea why you would want that job over Minnesota. It's t- it is t- terrible ownership for sure. Uh, they fired the nine and seven guy, but at the same time, you're t- you take over a team that that won. That one nine and they almost haven't the won since Don Shula was so their what? coach. So what? I mean, I'm just, not, I think they, that's they've become the Detroit Lions of the AFC. The Niners were yeah. the Niners were a dumpster fire after four years of Mike Nolan when Harbaugh took that over. But so I see what you're saying. But yeah, you know, 58. He's been coaching in he's been coaching in cold weather places except San Francisco, pretty much. Uh, it, most of his career, I guess San Diego, Stanford University, and the Niners, but also played in Chicago, played in Indianapolis, went to and coached at Michigan. I just feel like him going to Miami is going to be Jimmy Johnson, Nick Saban, all those guys all over again. Like, oh, the new sheriff's sure. in town. He's getting, Nope, he is not. <laughs> sure. Nope. And you said that before. I'm just saying he still might take it just because. Oh, yeah, Miami. he might. I'm just, you know, uh, and I don't it, think it's going to work. And if he did, then would it feel like as a Vikings fan, like, there we go again, hook, line, and sinker. No, <laughs> no. I'd be like, good luck, dude. You're going yeah. to Miami. Have fun going 7-10 and 10 the next three years. Is there any of these four guys that you really don't want, or are you going to be fine with it, all of them? Or um, Who was the fourth one? Uh, Pat Graham, the defensive coordinator of the Giants. The Giants are a dumpster fire, they're, and they're you said bad. he's a New England disciple, so yes, I would stay as far away from him as possible. Generally, those don't work out yeah, very well. Yeah, I, so. I, hopefully that's just like some sort of, we need a fourth guy for a smoke screen. I don't know. That that seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, and uh, if it is Harbaugh or if it is the Rams offensive guy, let's get the offense a little cranked up and built. Do, would you agree the offense needs to be built uh, more so around Justin Jefferson, then Dalvin Cook, and uh, ground and pound and play action the way Zimmer has liked it and has hired offensive coordinators for. Say that again? That the Vikings offense could maybe be more centered around Justin Jefferson and start um, there. I mean, that'd probably be a good idea. I, As much as I've been team Zimmer up until maybe this year, I always was kind of like, what are you talking about? with? And to your credit, you were on maybe – on this a little sooner than I was is, you know, him constantly talking about wanting to do this three yards in a cloud of dust sort of thing and focusing on the running game and wanting to run the ball more, run the ball more, run the ball more. Like, And I often defended him by saying, like, I like the idea of someone who's willing to go against the grain when the whole – it's such a copycat league that, you know, sometimes you get caught up – you don't want to be the last one to the copycat party. Sometimes it's good to zag when everyone else is zigging, so to speak. Uh, By the way, the Niners have been doing that very well the last three or four years. Right, but I just mean, like, at some point, it's like, dude, you don't win in the NFL these days behind a bell cow running back. That's just not how you win. And uh, it's great to have Dalvin Cook. Um, He's good, but, you know, 
sometimes he's gone and Alexander Madison steps in just fine. Yeah. You know, Justin Jefferson's a bigger difference maker than Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And if Kirk Cousins could be the kind of playmaker in the clutch that reflects the numbers he puts up because the numbers are always there, that would be a different, a bigger deal than having, okay, this guy ran for 1,300 yards. So what? Yeah. You win in the NFL by throwing the football. The problem with Kirk most of the time, even if Jim Harbaugh's a quarterback whisperer and could repair him a little bit, is is when it does get to the clutch or when he does fall behind or when his there's been some sort of catastrophic play. It happened in San Francisco this year where he fumbled or somebody fumbled. I can't remember if the Vikings were about to score and they fumbled or he threw a pick or the or they fumbled on the one and San Francisco punched it in. But like when it's Kirk Cousins is a robot that decombusts and then gets then gets scared and flinchy and un, very undaring when it comes to uh, you know you got to win the game you got to make clutch plays you got to make tough throws he tends to check it down and make the safer plays mm-hmm. allegedly because you know he wants to keep his stats nice and clean and he's and he's or he's just flat out afraid of making the big mistake and then he still does and I don't know if Jim Harbaugh could repair that and uh, mm-hmm. but I but I do think I think the offense in general and Kirk would be served to yeah go go work work Jefferson on in uh, <laughs> with with the offense and let that open everything else up um, anything else on the Vikings or no. is that it? okay so Tom Brady's retiring as a media guy I, I don't really care about this whole aspect but if, if, if you had anything about this where Adam Schefter reports it over the weekend Tom Brady kind of lets it stall and shits on Adam Schefter a little bit indirectly and then and then make then makes the announcement yeah. so yeah. Schefter was right but Brady wanted his own moment right do, do, do you make or care of anything about that sort of thing um everyone kind of comes off looking like a tool in that situation yes. yeah um I will say Adam Schefter if I was him I'd be you know First of all, who gives a shit about being right this, yeah. or being first? I, I don't understand. That's not a job yeah. I ever wanted. Yeah, that guy. these TV guys like, are you just fighting over with each other? Yeah. Like, is there some secret club where the winner gets you know some sort of bonus for being first? Because I can tell you in my business, I never got. I remember one time, I won't name the person, but I had a, one of my superiors call me up in the middle of the afternoon because one of the TV stations had this story that. Supposedly, I was getting scooped. It turns out I was like, no, we're not getting scooped. That's been something we reported on months ago. But this person called me up to say, you're getting scooped. You're getting beat. Blah, 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 blah. What are you doing? Better get your ass to work. And I was like, first of all, stop talking to me like that. Second of all, I was like, exactly what do I get for being first? Do I get some sort of bonus? Do I get a $500 check? Do I get a free breakfast at Denny's or something? Like, I was like, what's why are you throwing this in my face like there's some sort of incentive you know and uh i probably was <clears throat> punching a little above my you know talking to my superior like that but i want to make a point like if you're going to be that person who's going to try to get me to be one of those people you know like i was first i was first like yeah no i'm not that guy i get it right and i not to say i've never gotten it wrong i made mistakes too but whenever there have been times where someone scooped me on something i've always rationalized by saying like well Maybe they had it first, but I'm going to have it best. You know, I'm going to tell the best story. And I, I, I've already gotten off on a soapbox here, and I didn't mean to. But a long way of saying, like, I don't give a shit about who's being first. And Adam Schefter should be careful. And I know this sounds funny. I'm just some nobody, and he's a big swinging dick. But, you know, he got in pretty big trouble recently with when it came to light that he was letting sources edit his stories. He called, was it the Titans GM? Hey, hey, Mr. Editor, here's my story. Make sure it's, you know, it's, it's okay with you. Like, that's a fireball offense. 
I would get fired if I did that. Mm. And the fact that ESPN keeps backing these idiots after they make mistake after mistake after mistake and do all this stupid shit, you know, it's it's just it's wild the the culture that appears to be going on over there. But I guess you know. And my first thought when Adam Schefter reported that. And then Tom Brady comes out and goes, no, I'm not. And, the, and the, his dad was denying it, and the Cardinals were denying it. And I was like, if he does come back and play for another year, like how many more of these major mistakes can a, a guy in that job make before he's held accountable for it? Now, as it turns out, he's, I guess, been somewhat vindicated now. I mean, in general, he, do you feel like he's been vindicated? Uh, I mean, Yes. Okay. But, I don't yes, know. Yes, I, I do. Mean, Absolutely. And, and, and most of the time still, he, he is talked about as like – yeah, oh, it, it, you know, if there's a if there's an NFL rumor, especially a local NFL rumor like in the Twin Cities, and it, it's kind of okay. Well, who uh, you know, Mike Zimmer's going to get fired? Okay, who's reporting that? Okay, well, I you know, well, if, unless it's Schefter or like Tom Palacero well, or Ian Rappaport, then yeah. I don't believe it because those guys usually are right. Like he, Schefter usually is right. But let me and give you an example. But I'm not, but I'm not saying that's that's. I, I agree well, with you. That's not a job I would ever. Well, also Schefter. I mean, we now know that he. You know, plays tit for tat. He's get. We now know how he's getting these scoops by, you know, giving people more control over his work than than he should. Like mm-hmm. I said, that's a fireable offense. Letting one of his sources edit his thing before he reports yes, it. Yes, yes. Um, I agree with that one. I will yes. say this. Like I would not want when uh, last summer or two summers ago, whatever it is. Like I had the Augies launching a hockey story before it had got out. A source who I trusted was like, "Hey, I got a scoop for you. Augustana is starting a hockey team." And I was like, shit, really? I'm like, yeah, trust me. And their other sports are going to stay detailed. Like, had, had all the details. And I, I was on vacation at the time. So I was like, well, I'm not obligated to do anything here. I'm on vacation. But also, I was like, I don't have to write a story. I could just tweet it, you know. That'd be a pretty pretty decent scoop. Yeah. But I was like, there's no incentive for me to do this. Because, again, if I get that scoop, I don't, I don't get anything for it. I don't win some award. I don't get a bonus. Nothing. Yeah. And if I get it wrong... Because my employers actually hold me to a fucking standard, I would get in trouble if I got that wrong. It, well, and You're he, not, I'm not done. Oh, okay. Jeez. <laughs> well, okay. um, the finger. So, okay. so I decide like uh, I'm not going to report that yet, like because I just felt like too much to lose and nothing to gain. Because if it's wrong, you know that's a big deal to be wrong on a story like that. Well, it wasn't more than maybe a half hour later. John Bucciagross of ESPN tweeted. Uh, Augustana College in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, starting a hockey team. And I did not for one second regret it. Like, oh, damn it. I, John Bouchergras scooped me. I should have tweeted that. I was like, good. Now I, know it's, now I know it's true. And it wasn't be- that I didn't trust my own source, but it was like ESPN's made it pretty clear that they don't, their guys don't get in trouble for getting it wrong. They just delete the tweet or rationalize it away and move on with their day. That's not how it works for me. So that's just a good example of, I was more concerned with making sure it was right and having the complete story than, you know, look at me, I had this scoop first on Twitter, like, I don't want to play that. Yeah, and, and by it the bugs, way... it bugs me that these guys at that this high level are kind of able to sort of flippantly play it that way. Unf- that bothers me. But, like, Schefter's, I think he's hired to have things, like, that's the most important thing to them, is you get things first. Uh, like, that's his well, part, they, they always have this circle jerk where they're like, yeah. oh, so-and-so had it first. Like, that's yeah. their new professional right. courtesy is, you know, the guy for Sports Illustrated will be like, give credit, the ESPN guy had yes, it first. Right. No yes. one fucking cares, but dude. That's, and that's the point I'm bringing back you to you. You guys are the only ones who care about that. That's what I was going to say, uh, before you wagged the finger, to finish your point, was, you, and to your point that you just made, the only time people, it's like offensive linemen. The only time people would remember you got that Augustana hockey scoop or any others is if you had gotten it wrong. 
if you got it, it's like, yeah, it's news. It's a big deal. And for a day, it's like, ooh, look at Reed. Ma I mean, your story would get a lot of clicks and a lot mm -hmm. of interest. And people would probably think, well, they'd probably think he should. I mean, Matt Simmer should be the one getting the scoops in this town. But they'd also think, good for him. He, he got it. What a good journalist. Uh, and, 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 and then, but then they'd forget. It'd be just kind of like, yeah. oh, well, cool. Augie's going, now everyone knows. Augie's going D1 right. with anything, blah, right. blah, blah now. Right. But if you got it wrong, then I don't. I, I don't Three years later, someone's throwing it in your face. Like, right. Oh, you mean like that time you said this? Yeah. And, and that's yeah. yeah, exactly. The the only um, it would happen on a mild level, like when I was in Lincoln. It's such a competitive market with so many sports writers, so many sports talk radio stations. Uh, like I just I remember sometimes covering. It wasn't even something where uh, I'm the only one that had this or that. But you'd go to practice, and players would talk, and you. And sometimes it would be in, with a group of reporters, and sometimes you'd get a player one on one. And if they said something to you, you thought was like spellbinding, or you know, like no one else is going to have this. Or if you were just the first person to be fast enough to tweet what he's you know, after yeah. a practice, yeah. I'd get this rush. Like for a couple of years, I was like, I want my radio station to be the first to get these things out, and. Uh, and it's you know it's nice, but in the grand scheme of things, is that what makes the reputation of your company? No, no one really remembers who did it first. No. Um, I got really, I wouldn't say I got lucky. It was a bit of a combination of luck, where I, you know, I Kelby Krabinoff isn't the one to announce if Augustana is going Division One or not, but he kind of gave the tell, like, yes, I really want this to happen, mm -hmm. and basically, yes, I, I'm I'm the person to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it was at a Great Shots event, and I got to interview him about it. It was the grand opening or the uh, ribbon cutting for Great Shots, and I talked to him about that, and then I just asked him about Augustana, and to my utter surprise, he just he just let his tongue fly. And I got really excited about that. I'm like, oh, I'm the first one to get Kelby Kravitz mm -hmm. to say, uh, yes, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm really behind this Augustana mm -hmm. Division One bus. And it was fun for a second, and it really isn't, uh, you know, it's not something. There, well, I don't. I mean, you, there's no award for it. It doesn't get put on any right. mantle. No one remembers. It was a fun moment, but it's not. It's not why any of us really should do this or get into it. Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, all right. I remember you writing a big column a few years ago about Aaron Rodgers is indeed the best to play quarterback. Mm -hmm. And then we get into this word, you know, this word uh, kind of uh, operation of best or greatest. Greatest, right. most accomplished, right. whatever. Right. Do you still feel that way? I still think Aaron Rodgers is the, the best quarterback I've ever seen at his prime. Like, he could do things with the football that no, better than anyone else has. He might still be there today. I mean, just the combination of his his accuracy, his strong arm, his ability to throw on the run, uh, his athleticism, because obviously he's actually a pretty, pretty good running quarterback when he needs to be. Just the total package, the throws he's able to make. No one's ever been better. I mean, you, you tell me anyone who's ever had a, a better collection of skills than Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and I don't think anyone's there. Um and that's why I made, was careful when I wrote that column, which was, geez, what, like six, seven years ago now? It was about three or four. It was longer ago than that. But anyway, um, it was a point to use the word best and not greatest mm -hmm. because I, I do think there's a difference there. Absolutely. Greatness obviously has a sort of overarching tone to it. Um, to say that you're the best, that just means like, you know, I do this thing better than everyone else. Um, and, you know... You would have said Michael Jordan was the best basketball player in, in, in the NBA during the 90s before he finally ended up winning. And people forget, people who are younger, that it took him a long time to win his first ring. Eight years. He was still the best player in the NBA before he Ooh. finally got his first ring. It was and, no then ended, and then he ended up winning a bunch of them, so he has everything you need to have that complete legacy as the GOAT, as they say. 
Now, Aaron Rodgers only has one championship, and that absolutely makes it hard to claim that he's the greatest, that his greatness, his legacy, everything is better than anyone else's. And then you factor in that there's this other guy who, oh, by the way, has how many of them? Seven? Eight? Brady? Brady? I think he's just seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. And I think for anyone who was still holding out on not labeling Tom Brady the greatest of all time, and I don't consider myself one of those people, um, but for anyone who was trying to convince themselves that he wasn't, when he won one with Tampa Bay, that's when it was kind of like, well, shit. You know, this guy, pretty much everything he touches turns to gold. Yeah. Like, Because there was always sort of like, well, he's, you know, he's it's because of Belichick, or it's New England's a machine, and, you know, you could plug, how many rings would Peyton Manning have won if he played for New England, or, or name your Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, you know? Well, then he goes to Tampa Bay as a 43-year-old and wins one. That's when it's kind of like, oh, maybe he had more to do with what was going on in New England than yeah. we thought. And... He's now retiring with a, an unmatched legacy, and I, I, you know, anyone who would try to throw that column in my face or something, I would a defend the column and b say, yeah, Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. I mean, he's probably one of the five best quarterbacks I've ever seen, just from a, the, the 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 package standpoint, the skills, you know, what he was able to do on a football field. Uh, but then when you factor in the winning, the the rings, the championships, mm-hmm. and plus, I think too, just it's a lesser part of it, but who he was as a person, you know, how he handled himself as a teammate, how he was as a leader, all those sorts of things. He didn't put his fan base and his team through the bullshit that Aaron Rodgers has been pulling the last couple of years. I mean, that's part of the legacy too. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, absolutely. Tom Brady's the greatest of all time, but I can still say that and still think that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, it's how it's just, even if you're talking about the best, do you factor in at all? You know what? You know, like what they do in the postseason, the big plays yeah, they make, I mean, and the big games they win, and that—that's the thing that's almost inarguable against Brady is not just, hey, he won seven Super Bowls. Think of how many things he did to get to those seven Super Bowls. All those classic bouts with Peyton Manning and the Colts mm-hmm. before uh, you get into the you know the comeback against the Falcons, and the, uh, of course the Falcons played a part in. In, in choking, allowing yeah. that happen, yeah. allowing that, to, but that's partly what you do in the presence of greatness. That's how <laughs> Jack Nicholson, Tiger Woods won so many golf tournaments. Michael Jordan won so many finals against some of the best players of all time, from Magic to Clyde Drexler to Charles Barkley, on and on and on. Is uh, is it, your presence, your accomplishments, however good you are, makes other people kind of wilt in your presence. And you're right. And I wonder if. They had not won. The Bucks had not won the Super Bowl last year. Does he keep going? Does he st- does he go until yeah. he 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 either a makes the point that I can win the Super Bowl with another team and a seven and nine team at that, which is yeah. what the Bucks were the year before, or until he finally sucks or gets hurt and, and just physically can't play anymore? Well, I didn't we think we'll, I didn't, we'll never know. He won I the Super Bowl. I didn't think he was going to retire this off season. I didn't either. I mean, he just led the league in touchdown passes. Right. Yeah, you know, he's he through for 5,000 yards. Looks better than he's ever looked. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, and he has know. said before, and we always wondered how tongue-in-cheek he was when he said it, but he has joked, sort of, about playing till he was 50. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if he could have made it till 50, but, geez, I mean, wasn't Steve DeBerg, like, 46 when he was still playing? Yeah, and yeah, Warren Moon made it to, like, 44? And, and those guys, but, I mean, and those guys were barely hanging on. Right. They were, like, decrepit old men. And they weren't as good. And they were still, <laughs> they were. And they were still yes. doing it. Brady's yeah. at the top of his game. Yeah. You know, I someone, I think it was probably Jen, asked me, like, is he really going to retire? I was like, no. I wasn't, I no didn't way. believe it. You know, he's yeah. going to play at least two, three more years. Yeah. And I'm, honestly, I'm sad that he's not. 
Mm-hmm. I've never been a Brady lover. I've never been a Brady hater. But the NFL is going to be a lesser thing without Tom Brady. I'm bummed that he's retiring. Yeah. The, uh, and the only other thing to add is, do some things factor in here? Uh, like, does Belichick factor in? Yes, of course. Belichick, I think. You can't just say it was all Tom Brady and Belichick was riding on Brady's coattails. Uh, yeah, the, the Patriots have been a 500 team since Brady left. Sure, that's fine. Early years. They went like 11-5 and five or 12-4 and four with like, Matt Castle that one year where Brady tore his ACL. So, uh, I mean, yeah, and among any coach, that's a great point, and among any coach at any level, like Bill Belichick is revered as like, if you're a football coach, you understand how big of a genius Bill Belichick is, and he obviously learned from the first time when he was in Cleveland and he was mostly a failure, like one playoff team in five years, below 500 record. Uh, Brady also took, the Patriots were like 5-11 and in Belichick's first year before Drew Bledsoe got hurt. They were 0-2 when he got hurt, and Brady took right over. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's, he won the Super Bowl in his first year with two different teams that were not good the year before. But Belichick, you know, he had a, he was a defensive genius. They they rode Belichick and the defense for like those first three Super Bowls where they won three and four years, and then they went a decade without winning them. But they were still the best team in the NFL. They may have had the best team ever when they went 18 and 0 with Randy Moss, and and uh, the Giants upset them in the Super Bowl. But in the later years, it was clearly that Tom Brady was carrying more of the weight mm-hmm. than Bill Belichick was. Their defenses weren't as dominant. But Brady also, he never, I mean, he's hes not one of these modern-day mobile and escape artist quarterbacks. He always had good offensive lines. He, Except for that one year with Matt Castle, he almost never got hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some things that uh, you don't take away from him, but there were some things that allowed it to happen for him. He was in a great organization with maybe the best coach of all time, and, and that helped him become the greatest and most accomplished. But... Um, but best, uh, I, I've, al- I've always agreed with your stance about Aaron Rodgers. It's just hard to have a conversation to compare the two when you look at postseason. The, I mean, what, what, you could, what you can knock on Aaron Rodgers is, my God, since he won the Super Bowl, I think he's been like 7-9 and nine in the playoffs, and he's lost four of five four, like games at Lambeau Field, four or five championship games, or you know, he's, he's lost a bunch of games at Lambeau at home in the playoffs. That's not supposed to happen if you're if you're that good, uh, you know. If you're the best that ever was. So anyway, uh, all right, we'll move on. What else do you want to do? You've got that look on your face. I, like I got a couple minutes and then I gotta go. I gotta oh go yeah, go. it is. It's two twenty-three. How about that? Uh, Jackrabbits. Well, let's just um, go ahead. We can um, spend next week's show kind of recapping the USD SDSU games because I don't think there's a we need to spend a ton of time previewing them. I mean, everyone knows what's going on. It's uh, going to be the women. The women's game will be at Frost on Saturday. The men will be down in Vermillion. Um, obviously, the first time they played, USD's men were really banged up. They only had seven or eight guys. And they, it was kind of like, hey, it's just impressive that they're even able to play. And SDSU won pretty easily. Um, whereas the – hey, whereas the – Just a water for me. Thank you. Appreciate it. The uh, women's game was a huge blowout, and SJC's women had been playing well at the time, and they've played very well since. So I'm very interested to see, are the is there that much of a difference between the Coyote and Jacks women? Are the Yotes that much better, or were the Jacks just really shitty that night and they're going to get it, their act together? I would expect, um, let me put it this way, I think the Yotes are going to win again. I think they're going to complete the sweep, but I think this one's going to be a lot closer. <laughs> and if SDSU plays really well, if, certainly if they win, but even if they play really well, it might reshape the way you look at that women's race you know could there be a could the conference tournament be more interesting than we're expecting and i even brought it up in today's press conference like could they still be in the hunt for an at-large bid i mean it's possible depending on how they finish the season 
So, like I said, I expect the Yotes women to win. I'll pick the SDSU men to win, even down in Vermillion. Uh, but, I, but I don't think that's – well, they're 11 well, uh, and Sorry, I mean, I th- for a second I thought you said USD, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, okay. no. I mean, so they're 11 bold. and 0, so I think they're pretty much the safe pick. Yeah. But if USD wins, I don't think that'll be a huge upset. Uh, it's hard to run the table, and I still don't think the Jacks are probably going to do it. They're probably going to slip up at some point. Yeah. And when they do, it'll probably be on the road. And USD, the, you know, they've very quietly had a pretty nice season. They started 0-3, and it was kind of like, oh, geez, you know, this is going to be a rough year. But they're 6-1 and one since then. And uh, they've been battling injuries, COVID, you know, having games rescheduled Didn't Todd and everything. Lee go through something recently? I thought there was something. Himself? That, not that I'm aware of. Okay, I thought um, I saw I, something just, the other day You know, that he did. what they've been going through as a team, not having right. enough dudes. Yeah, yeah, they won uh, six so, in a row at So one I point. think that'll, that'll be a good game. But I basically am expecting both rivalry series to end as sweeps. And it's just a shame that well, – do you think it's a shame that they're not doubleheaders? Yes. It's not a doubleheader? Well, I mean, with USD, SDSU, I sort of get why they're not because you can have those – um, extra gates, but but by by doing it mirror scheduling, you're not getting actually. So actually, I take that back. Ideally, what they would want to do is play like Saturday Sunday both times, yeah. so you can have two separate four separate gates essentially for all four of those games and two separate days for the fans. Right, all exactly. Day to tailgate, drink, so drive. If you do a double header, drive, if you do a double header, it benefits the fans because they get two games for the price of one basically. And even though you're only getting the one gate, you're going to sell more tickets. Yep. So that's still better for the schools. Um, if you do mirror scheduling, you're getting the worst of both worlds because you're splitting your audience. You're making the people pick which game they want to go to, and then they can't even you know go to both games or even probably be able to watch them both on TV. You know, if you turn around and run home after the end of the game, but that's just the the wrong way to do you're it. Making them work way too hard. By the way, uh, Summit League women, three teams ranked above number two hundred seven in the NET rankings. <laughs> In women's hoops, uh, and only two above number 108. Obviously, USD yeah. at 37 and SDSU at 41. I mean, UMKC at 108, and then it's 207 for NDSU, and the rest are all worse. Uh, They're yeah. among the, you know, it's that's bad. Uh, but that, but that makes these, uh, that makes these weekends like this, the Jackson, the Yotes, that much more fun because we get to everything comes alive again. You also talked to Tom Billiter about Augustana's 14th ranked team, and uh, you know, kind of. Not waking up. It's not like they've been asleep. He's always had good teams, but this might be the best team they've had since their national title yeah, team. Yeah. Uh, so look for the, forward to that in the Argus, and uh, that will about do it. Enjoy covering your games uh, the weekend. Which one are you going to go to, by the way? I'll be at the women's game. McCleary will be at the men's game. Very cool. All right. Thanks. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Because <laughs> you know the wrong drinks? Yes. Yeah.